2: Here's a message from friends of the show
3: have you been looking for a break from the drudgery of the real world
4: what if the future wasn't so bleak what if someone was to save us all how would that look i must know does your microwave can't go v- when it's done shooting
3: well you're in luck because cybertopia is a rules-like ttrpg actual play that explores just such a reality
4: We've got this disco ball, which is pretty cool, we've got these two drones flying around in here, uh, dodging them out of the smoke. Check us out on your podcast app of choice, and here
3: are Rolling Cars' 16 fantastic players take on weird and wild missions that the corporate overlords need taken care of for totally altruistic and benevolent reasons.
4: Okay, this time it's serious, I would like to turn my uh, hacking hat backwards.
2: Welcome everybody to today's episode. We're going to be diving into the series of episodes that we've been doing exploring new game systems in depth. So we have another great guest on for you guys tonight. But before we get into that, Mr. Miller, Mr. Myers, good evening. How are things for for both of you guys today? Happy Dragonlance novel and TJ subclass book release day.
1: Right, launch day. Launch well, day. Us, hey. anyway, it'll be timey-weimer for you guys when you hear it.
0: Well, you know. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. The time warp is in full effect, but yes, happy launch day, both you gentlemen. Great work yeah, on absolutely. the Dragonlance sub-
1: Subclasses book. But if you, and if, if you haven't for- checked it out, hey, check out TTJ's Subclasses of Dragonlance on okay. Game Skelter.
2: Yeah, exactly. Three subclasses for you for your adventure in the realm of Kryn. Very exciting. Very excited to go ahead and have that out. It's been a labor of love that's been burning for a while. These were subclasses that were originally going to be in last year's Kickstarter until we realized that we can't put dragonlance content in a Kickstarter. So that was a fun revelation. (laughs) Talk about learning about the process on the way by. Then, of course, our favorite game. Where is Glenn this week?
1: And I'm not in Connecticut. time to change. We're on our way west towards Wisconsin to visit our two older kids who live out yep. there near Green Bay. And so we spent the weekend in Newberry, Ohio, staying at Punderson State Park while yes. visiting Cuyahoga National Park. Okay. Which was a good time. It's got it's a national park built around the canal that they dug from the Ohio River to Lake Erie.
2: Wait, okay, to improve
1: yep. trade back before trains and stuff, because all of Ohio go. had no goods, because there was nothing to get it here from New yeah, York yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Sure. It's basically the big long channel with the locks that raise the boat up to the next level and continue on and then raise the boat nice. up so you can go up and down hills. It was really cool. Nice. But now we are staying at Cheno Lakes State Park in near Albion, Indiana. Nice. All right. Where we'll be for the next two days
2: before moving on toward Chicago. Excellent. Chicago, hell of a town. I have been in Chicago numerous times. One of my favorites here in the U.S. Dude, it made me want to look
1: up Mike and see if he wanted to catch dinner while we we're passing through or something. Like I, know, for, it's dragon, I know that's the dragon because he's in Chicago, data, but I figured yeah, yeah, yeah. might need a little bit more yeah. notice than that since I'll be there like, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah.
0: As a native upstate New Yorker, I have lots of jokes about why Ohio had not enough stuff and the Cuyahoga area, but I'll leave that all out. I'm not going to alienate our Ohio fans as a upstate New York kind of guy. I will. <laughs> say Please. this i love the pretenders as a band and their song about cahoga falls is awesome to me i'm going by the way chrissy hines pronounces it in the song thank you
1: but i asked the locals because i couldn't decide how to pronounce it it's spelled c-u-y-a-h-o-g-a but it's cuyahoga, or Cuyahoga if you're from one county over
0: at the end of the day,
2: Chrissy Hines always wins in my book. How she says it that's, is how
1: I say it. End of
2: statement. That's, that's a fair point. On tonight's episode, we are going to be diving into, into Savage Worlds, which is a game dun, system dun, dun. that Glenn has played with a lot. Lunica has played with some, and I have not, I've not played with at all. To go ahead and help us on this journey, we have brought a special guest in from the immaterial plane, Jen Sutcliffe. Hi, Jen. Welcome to Tabletop Journeys.
3: Hi, yeah. all. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
2: You're very welcome. So very uh, welcome. for folks that don't know you and the work that you're doing over at Immaterial Plan, why the heck did we ask you to come on to talk about Savage Worlds?
3: I guess that it's because we are a game design studio focusing specifically on creating content for the Savage World system. So we've we've created some small products that are out on drive through RPG and so it's the Artificer's Codex and Herbal Alchemy as well as recently Eberron for Savage Worlds. Yeah, and we've been me and my partner Christian Serrano, my partner in life and gaming as the other half of material plane. And so we've been working on these little projects of ours for four-ish years, maybe. And we really just started creating stuff because we wanted to be able to use that stuff in our games. And we thought other people might enjoy it too. And uh, yeah, I've been playing Savage Worlds for about six years. And like many people i played D first and i've been i guess a TRPG player for about 10 years regularly and uh, yeah happy to answer your questions about any of those things awesome
2: Cool. We are really looking forward to this conversation. I was sold when I saw Eberron for Savage Worlds. I was like, I have got to dive into what's going on right. there. So we will certainly get into that. And we're going to ask you to go ahead and draw initiative for us tonight because Savage Worlds doesn't use dice yes. for initiative. It uses card card deals. So I guess uh, That's right deal the three of us in. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And uh, technically, in Savage Worlds, you do get a new card in every round. You normally roll okay, initiative every so, round, so I like it. Yes. <laughs> okay. So. I'm just going to go in the order I'm seeing you. So, Josh, you've got I a like 10 of spades. Okay. Glenn, you're a 6 of spades. No! <laughs> and Quick one you won't even uh, help me with
1: that, because it's over a 5.
3: Oh, you've got a Jack of Diamonds. When you go, you would go first. And then Josh.
0: I love it. I have so many questions. So many questions. I think what I'm going to do is start at the very beginning. Uh, I really do want to get into your journey with Savage Worlds. So my question is, what was your first TTRPG? And then following that, what caused you to first look at Savage Worlds and then move in that direction on a more ongoing basis?
3: Yeah, so I started playing, I, I dabbled a little bit in d when I was in high school, didn't really have time for it in college and after that, but I got back into it regularly when actually I was working at a university and we were merging with another school like combining into one school and so some of us as like a team building thing to get to know each other from the different the two schools we decided to play D as like a team building thing and this was like 10 years ago or so and it was like more of a fun thing, not like a formal work thing. You have to do team building. It was like, we just want to do this because we're ner- we're all nerds. And so that's kind of how I got started. And I've I, I've been playing D D pretty regularly since then. And now I actually am a DM for a game that I'm playing with some of my high school friends actually. So I've come full circle in a way. And I got into Savage Worlds mainly because Christian introduced it to me. And what grabs me about it and why I started, I still play both games, but why I started favoring Savage Worlds in a way is really the way that it, um, the mechanics of it work really well for storytelling. And those sort of aspects, there's built-in storytelling mechanisms within the mechanics of the game. Another thing that uh, goes along with that is that in D&D, you're typically for character creation, you're working with Arch- archetypes, right? And there are archetypes in Savage Worlds, but you can also pretty much create any type of character that you want with a variety of different, I call them edges, which are different sort of special abilities they have, the, and then hindrances, which are can be seen as negative character traits or challenges that they have that really add, that, that adds to their story and their character development, and so that was really appealing to me because I in some D and D games, I always like to play a rogue because I like I feel like there's always something for a rogue to do. But in like shorter adventures, I would try being like a warlock or a druid or something, and those are like really cool concepts. But they're just times where I felt like it was a little restrictive and what I could do with that character. And so there are times where it'd be like my turn and I make a crappy role and this is just like that's it, that's my turn. With Savage Worlds, there there's just this more the mechanics bring the more cinematic, dramatic feel to the gameplay that to me was really exciting. And I started favoring that for a bit. Not to say I've completely abandoned D&D because I haven't, but I really have focused a lot on Savage Worlds and that's a, the that's a system I've chosen to create for. I feel that passion about it.
0: Awesome. Nice. I can definitely follow that journey. With the one Savage Worlds game I played, one of the things that I found most enjoyable about it is the fact that there was not a single round in our combat conflict scenario where i didn't have something i could do there was no there's was no wasted moments for me as a player there was always something to do. I could move. I could not move. I could fire. I could make my chances greater or less simply by choosing to advance on the target and then firing, or I could keep my distance and fire. There was times where I knew this target was bad. And if I didn't move, like he might catch me, but I'm like, I, my character wore an armored suit. I'm like, it might be worth the risk. So I get the better chance of hitting the guy. So like that, that, give and take with the scenario was awesome and i felt every player at that virtual table was doing things that i could just visualize so perfectly we had a great vt map our our gm is getting better every moment with that particular tool and that that's marty for those who listen to the show he's. In, he's and he runs in the game on plays, Foundry. And he runs on Foundry. So he has all kinds of ports. He's mastering that tool specifically to increase and enhance our game experience.
1: I we, shoot my machine we, gun we, and it goes, rat a And the bad guy goes,
0: ah. There's all <laughs> kinds of cool things he does with it. And. But oh, yeah. the actual mechanics of the game lend themselves to that cinematography. We talk about that same yes. thing with our Star Trek Adventures games, where there's something about it that just mirrors the, sh- the Star Trek shows. There's something about this, and we have multiple genres in the game we're playing that just mirrors each of those genres. Like, we f- literally feel this is happening, kind mm-hmm. of, and that's just brilliant. You don't always get that with the ND and you certainly don't always have that, there's that lack of wasted player motion or momentum.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I I think a good way to sum it up is that the system puts the story first and then the mechanics of the system really help drive the story. Unlike D&D, it's not as crunchy. It's more with the mechanics. It's more of a crispiness. It's more crispy. <laughs> if you're Love like it. baking a quiche, you want it to be like nice and like crispy on the outside, but like light and fluffy on the inside. So just like that. Where you've got the the lore and the, the improv of role play, the good stuff that later we'll be reminiscing about with your gaming friends and telling other people about and I just really I really love that it offers that narrative flexibility yes. nice.
2: Okay, so I want to dive into a little bit more about the mechanics and how someone like me, who has never played Savage Worlds, but has played a fairly broad spectrum of TTRPGs in my path. A lot of dice-based, but not always dice-based, and done a lot of live-action role-playing. Like, when you were talking about, like, edges and hindrances, I immediately thought of Mind's Eye Theater, like, merits and flaws, like, on that side. For someone like me, who has never played Savage Worlds, but feels pretty at home in most TTRPG games. What are the mechanics that I'm going to either really resonate with that are going to make a lot of sense to me? And what are the mechanics that are going to be a little bit harder to grasp that are really specific to Savage Worlds or, or a little trickier for new players?
3: Yeah, I think an important thing to point out first off is that you do get to use all of your dice, and it's not D, just D20-based. It's You've got skills and attributes. So, skills like common knowledge, fighting, things like that. And the attributes that are tied to the skills, those use D4 to D12. And then when you roll, you always get a wild die. And so, that's an extra D6. And the wild die is like saying... And part of why it feels cinematic is that you're, I don't want to say like better, but you are better than like the average person, right? If you're watching a movie, your heroes are like, those that's the focus. And they're like touched with some specialness about them. And so, that gives you an extra edge in your roles. So, the other thing to know... And again, this, I wouldn't say this is hard to grasp, but it's just like very different if you've just been playing D&D, right? So typically a target for a success is a four, unless it's for something like hitting an opponent, then the target number would be their toughness, which is determines like whether you successfully do, can do damage or not, or if it's like something like an oppose role. One of the coolest things about, and I think what makes especially combat exciting, is that your dice can explode, which means if you roll the maximum value on a die, then you roll it again. And then Mm. you keep adding the numbers until it stops exploding. And so that can lead to some pretty... Epic scenarios, <laughs> yeah. things go your way. A four would be a success. Typically, a raise would be you when you get twice what is required for a success. So, in a lot of cases, that'd be eight, and usually you'll get extra damage or you'll get if you are like ha- using a power or something then they're like an enhancement to that power things like that so there's a lot of different ways that depending on how you roll and what you're trying to do that it can turn out there are also what are called bennies in the iconic Deadlands setting for Savage Worlds. It was designed to, like, the whole, like, dealing initiative with cards and then using the bennies, which are like like poker chips. It kind of was get, giving that sort of vibe. But the bennies allow you to do things like re-roll. If, if you didn't make a success, and you can use them to re roll. You can also use them for things like if you are a caster and you're low on power points, you can restore some power points. And you can, you typically would start out in a session with three bennies, and the GM also gets bennies. So it's fair, right? And uh, you can also earn. More bennies for good role play, especially doing things like playing to your hindrances, to your character's kind of weak points, like uh, even things like that. Whether whether it's role play or with some kind of combat move or whatever, you're basically rewarded with them for that, and so that also adds another level of being able to do more, right? So that you can do those cool things that you want your character to be able to do and have a greater chance of success. But I will say that doesn't mean that it's like to play than D&D. That's not necessarily the case, right? The way that the game is balanced still makes it challenging, but it just you just feel more empowered as a player. Nice. We've played another
2: game system recently that had that exploding dice concept, and I can't put my finger on it, but that feels familiar. Burn two d six, if I recall, was that the one? Burn did have an exploding. That's correct. It did. So that was a. It was kind of like a. It wasn't really PBTA, but it kind of had. It had the two d six mechanic and same kind of thing where if you succeeded in certain ways, when you succeeded, you could keep rolling to keep building on success, which was interesting. Good callback. That's not the one that I was thinking of, but yes, you're absolutely right.
0: (laughs) So, uh, yeah. I, yeah, 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 I was gonna—I uh, was gonna pull
2: you out of the river. I wasn't necessarily gonna <laughs> <you're> drown you. <laughs> yeah, I'm drowning perfectly fine on my own. I don't need your help. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, no, no. keep your head down. It'll (laughs) be
0: fine. It'll be fine. Uh, What I loved about the game, and you reminded me about that, is and for our listeners who have been following us with our Star Trek Adventures journey over the last six months, the Benny system has very similar vibes to the threat and momentum mechanics with a healthy dose of the determination and value system right in there. It's one single mechanic that kind of brings those two concepts from sda kind of together in an interesting very different mechanic so it plays very differently at the table but those are the concepts Mm -hmm. that it's trying to bring in it's if you're doing well you get you you, this meta currency can be spent to help you do well the gm also has this meta currency so it's above board in the open for everybody to see why the situation got more challenging or the story got like the twist just occurred. It's all out there in the open. That's a very STA kind of thing. It's a very Savage Worlds kind of thing. Yeah. One of the things I love about both systems and that's like you mentioned earlier, the mechanics support a narratively driven story. That's one of the chief mechanisms for that. And I am absolutely here for it.
3: Yeah, yeah. And to add to that, there I was talking about how there's, there are built-in storytelling mechanisms or story drivers. And so, Savage World has some kind of special rules for different circumstances where it can... Add to the drama and cinematic feel of the game. And one of those is actually called Dramatic Tasks. And this is like a a round, like if you're trying to do something, like it's a high stakes situation or it's a particularly difficult task. Like in a recent game that I played, we were trying to defuse a bomb. And that was run as a dramatic task. And so, it was like quick rounds of what is your character doing to achieve this goal versus like just, oh, I'll roll one die and see if I succeed or fail. No, you have to like go in a round and get enough successes, typically number the number four, right, in order to actually make this thing happen and so that uh, builds tension right and then there are also so if your characters are being chased by someone there's a whole like chase set of rules for chases where you set up cards and your characters like move try and move up to get away from they're the people who are pursuing them, and so that's that can get pretty dramatic. Social conflicts operate similar to dramatic tasks, but it's but of more of a, if you're trying to persuade another character about something or having an argument or something like that, and that of course has role play built into it. What are you saying to them? What are you trying to convince them of? And how are how are you playing it out? And then interludes are basically a straight up storytelling. If you're uh, during downtime, if you're like sitting around the campfire with your party, you actually draw cards to see what kind of tale you're going to tell about your character. And you can always skip or pass on those and maybe make something up later. But you do get a Benny for telling an interlude story and that's like a fun opportunity to add something add some something to their backstory and flesh out the character more that
1: on that front for the interlude stories some of my favorite things about it's one of my favorite things about the game because we do a lot of collaborative world building anyway where we develop Mm -hmm. our own prompts for players in various games yeah but it's built into the game And the best part about it is, one, it straight up says, go ahead and skip it. The downside there is you don't get the Benny if you don't. But the card system is all in the book. So you can look Mm -hmm. at it in advance. If you're somebody who struggles with impromptu stories, with Mm -hmm. coming up with something on the fly, because my wife really struggles with this, but she loves to role play, but she hates to be put on the spot. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons she's comfortable with Savage Worlds is she goes through, she looks down the list and she pre-plans for what she would say for different cards. She doesn't have a full story for every one, but she gets an idea up front so that if she gets pulled if she winds up being asked to do one, she can, she's already got something mm-hmm. prepared as opposed to being f- completely flat footed. Yep. And for people who struggle with that a lot in games, that's really important. So it's one of the things I love about the game.
3: Yeah. So, and like, I play a lot online or well, and even in person, we do this, like sometimes we'll be like, okay, we're doing interludes. Okay. This is a good time for a 10 minute break. So like we, so people can have a little bit of time to think about, okay, what am I going to tell people about my right. character? Cause I often find that I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't know what to say. And I don't want to just make something up that I don't like. You can always change it later, right? But then all of a sudden, I just think of something. And if other people went before me, I might be inspired by something they say. But Yeah, you can totally come prepared with some material as well if that nice. comes up.
1: That is pretty fantastic idea, The the break right before, especially if you let everybody draw first. So they know what they're looking at, then take the 10 minute breaks. You know, that that's really cool. It really speaks
0: to games that we've played in the past and different systems that we really love. I'm thinking Powered by the Apocalypse, in specific, the real thing, where we had the discovery system where when we did our actual play through that, the three of us and Mike Daniels from 19 Hits the Dragon, we they had a mechanic in that where you get this discovery and you had to tell a story about your past. Your characters were amnesiacs anyway. So they didn't remember it. Now they are remembering that story. And it would be a prompt that the Game Master would provide you. And we absolutely thrived and loved those things. Our collaborative world building techniques is something that the three of us do all the time. When we did Aliens, Josh threw me one. Tell a story about the time you were most frightened. And for whatever reason, I I pulled some weird version of Robert Shaw's Jaws Indianapolis story, except I said it in the bayou with crocodiles and, and a southern roughneck.
1: And it was fantastic.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty proud of that one. I'm not going to lie. I was That was something I'm very proud of. I love the fact that it, it you've got ways that you've come to to make it easier for people that might struggle with those on the fly moments. Just because I might be good at something doesn't mean that everybody else might be good at something. And honestly, it doesn't mean I'm always good at that thing. I could be having an off night and I want to be able to participate and have a great game, but it, maybe I wasn't as prepared on a given night. A technique like doing that break right before is a great way to do that. And, and something that I will keep in mind as we do more of our collaborative world buildings in the various games and game systems that we play, because we can certainly do that. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, makes a lot make of
4: sense. sense. In the epic world of Dragonlance, where heroes rise and legends are forged, a new chapter awaits. Journey deeper into the realms of Kryn with this thrilling supplement that brings new possibilities to your game. Unleash the power of three awe-inspiring subclasses that will redefine the way you play. Embrace the wild nature of the lunar eyes which watch all of Kryn and let it feed your inner beast as a path of the Three Eyes Barbarian. Harness the raw power of the Moons of Kryn and focus their powerful gifts through your Chi with the way of the Three Moons Monk. Or, focus your strength of character in defense of those around you with the Oath of the Bright Blade's power. With these thrilling new subclasses, your adventures will reach unprecedented heights. Immerse yourself in the rich lore and captivating world of Dragonlands, while adding your own unique stories to the tapestry of Kryn. Unlock the potential of these three dynamic subclasses and embark on a journey that will shape your very destiny. Are you ready to forge your own legends?
1: So. I'll start back with, fantastic! We've been talking a lot about mechanics. And as I've been playing Savage Worlds, I'm becoming more and more of a fan. And it's influencing the way I'm thinking about other settings and games that I was planning on making and what system I want to put them in. Like, I played with, during character creation in Savage Worlds, I played with creating my own race, because the rules are right there for everybody, not just the storyteller. you got to work mm-hmm. with your storyteller about it. But you can create your own heritage and lineage, your own type of being. And I actually wound up inventing – I tried to make Stitches, guys, for Savage Worlds. And Stitches was coming out as this alien colony of nanites. Each being is like its own thing. But I was able to – is its own group of nanites – but collectively they're not a hive. Each creature is a hive mind, but the collectible society is not. And it came out wicked cool, and I like fell in love with the creation rules and how you could pick hindrances and how much sense they made. But the character creation process is big if you're looking at all of the possibilities, right? It can be epic. It can be daunting if you're handed a game scenario like I was, where you're gonna create any kind of character you want, and I'm and our game master smashed them all together into a multi era and genre, kind of like sliders or Stargate dimension hopping mm-hmm. style. My question for you is if you're playing a more first, if you're playing a more specialized game like if everybody's playing in just the weird West, I'm sure mm-hmm. that gets somewhat more simplified. But is there any advice that you could give people on ways to help narrow down their choices because it's very mm-hmm. kit it's very sandbox. you can build literally, Anything you want. When it happens, Lee Winika. I'm around you enough, eventually you're going to rub off. You can build anything you want with the game. So, is there any advice you'd give people on how to narrow down their choices, what to focus on when they're first learning the game instead of getting overwhelmed with all of the options? And then, for people who are looking at running games out there, Marty uses, and I love, savaged.us, if you've had mm-hmm. any experience with it, as a character creation tool and a campaign manager, and whether or not there are any other ones out there to help you create or track your characters within the Savage World system.
3: Yeah, so I do use savage.us to build characters, and I do, So like I play and Foundry a lot, and I do all of my advances, which is the Savage World's term for leveling up in savage.us because i just find that it just works really smoothly and i can see everything that i've already done for this character how i've built it how i built them and how i want to what i might want to add and you can also do planned advances in there so you can think ahead of okay when we advance what abilities skills i want to increase or what do i want to take a new edge etc And so, you can actually plan those out in there ahead of time. Of course, you might change your mind later. That's fine. But just so you're like thinking about it. Right. um, I haven't even played
1: with the planned ones yet, but that's hot. I'm going to have to look for that.
3: Yeah. And you can yeah just make sure that everything is balanced, too, when you're first creating your character. Because character creation is different than D&D. We already talked about hindrances as edges. There's a point system for... Your skills and your attributes, you allot points to whichever skills and attributes you want to increase. The attributes also D4 core skills. There's I think five or six core skills, like common knowledge, notice, things like that. That start at D4, everything else you buy from scratch. And things that you are not skilled in or skills you don't have in the game you can actually still do them but you just have you roll an un, you do an unskilled roll which is a d4 2 so once in a while you might amaze yourself at something that you're not particularly skilled at but you maybe just have a moment of genius if you're new to savage worlds most pretty much all the settings do have like archetypes of characters that you can look at. And at least even if you don't follow exactly how those archetypes are set up, get an idea of what kind of character you would want to play in that particular setting. So this is, of course, not homebrew, but for one of their published settings, whether it's PEG or um, an ACE licensee product or whatever it might be. And those will typically have some kind of archetype model type character that you can you can base your first character off of and so that's what i would suggest for people who are just haven't played savage worlds at all before and they're feeling overwhelmed but then there may be new players who just like want to they're like, I want to play this type of character. And then they can talk to their GM about how they would make that work in that setting. Because again, it's, we've, you've got your, the core rules, which have character creation rules there, so options for your hindrances and edges and such and arcane backgrounds. Then there's like the the different companions they have, like they've got a superheroes companion, they've got a horror companion, and recently they came out with a fantasy companion. And so those have expanded rule sets for those types of games. And then settings themselves also may have their own. Sort of like setting rules and types of characters. As you say, it can feel overwhelming if you're new to that. There are a lot of examples of types of characters in general and for specific settings, especially if you're coming from DD. I would suggest the Pathfinder for Savage Worlds system. So they actually have a a licensed conversion of Pathfinder into Savage World. So for D&D players, that's going to feel very familiar. That's a good place to transition. And that's I recommend that because you can get like the full package of all the rules and the lore together, it's simplified in that way. I would also recommend Savage Eberron, which is a, one of the our... Products out from the material plane. Christian wrote that and has been developing that for over a decade. Don't um, talk too much about it because
2: that's my next question. Is to ask yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, to okay. Don't, don't cut, him off. <laughs> don't cut <him> off. Don't <laughs> cut
3: them off. Don't cut off. yeah. Oh, and I guess we have to draw Nishav again. Ooh, I, that's um, at the end of round one. Yeah, you know, right, right? the end of round one. So I guess I'll stop there. But I will say those two. It was Did a great answer. I mean, yeah.
1: Personally, I love a kit character creation system where I get to pull pieces from different ways and make whatever I want. But I play with people who find it really overwhelming.
2: <laughs> it can be overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. my, my
1: experience
0: was a little bit odd. So the game, I went into the game. It had already begun. They would already been playing. They are actually in the middle of a scenario already. And I was told, okay, here's the materials. We use the SavageWorld.us to build a super. So here I am. Pretty much sight unseen, left totally to the wild to figure this out. The tool is awesome because it doesn't let you build something that doesn't mechanically work. Like you can't overbuy something and it will let Mm -hmm. you know if you underbuy something. So that's actually very good in that it's, it's there. A little challenging for me on my own to figure out why it didn't let me move forward at certain stages, but i was able to Mm -hmm. figure that out some of that is years of role-playing experience in general so i would suggest to folks that if you have a brand new player that's joining the game building the characters gm with that player and other players so people are asking lots of questions all at the same time Mm -hmm. Even if there are experts or people who played this for years present just them knowing what they're building and doing one piece at a time, I think would be very helpful for new players in the game. I love the suggestion about the Pathfinder port of the game as that bridge from what you know to this. I also play a l- have played over the years lots of Palladium and Rifts specifically, and I know there's a Savage mm-hmm. Worlds Rifts. So for me, yep. that that would be very similar because I'm so yeah. familiar with the Rifts lore, the concepts, and what the characters can do it'd be easier for me to say okay let's build a risk character let's do that it was actually one of my options i considered building a risk character as well i went supers because nice. i also played riffs or palladium supers over the years definitely a great suggestion and our audience as they start looking into this game are, are really gonna get a lot of mileage out of that information
3: awesome yes all right, so I start round two. Now.
2: Let's see what we got.
3: All right, Josh, you've got the ten of diamonds.
2: I have all right, another ten. All right. Shine
3: bright like a diamond. And, okay, Glenn, you've got eight of spades. You know what? I'm going to shuffle these. I'm sorry. I'm just not happy with <laughs> this. Oh. this it's, <laughs> and what? I, I, they're all like spades and diamonds. Oh, this isn't right. Yeah. I, I know I've shuffled these, but <laughs> sometimes they get like that. Okay. And while you're
0: shuffling <laughs> those, Josh, I just want to say, it, since I decided to do the whole Rihanna shine bright like a diamond thing, uh, the fact that you missed the opportunity to throw some lemmy at us with the eight of spades, I'm really angry. at <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> like, you have disappointed me, sir, and this is an offense I don't think you can come back
2: from. Yeah, but I don't have the mole. Like, I, I mean, who does? Really? I don't have a bass player, but I mean,
3: come on. Right? Like, that's, yeah.
2: that's why I'm thinking that would have been perfect.
3: All right, here we go. Okay, Josh, you've got the jack of clubs.
2: All right, jack of Fly. There we go.
3: Jack of clubs. Oh, really? Okay, well, we're just going to go. We found the clubs now. Okay. <laughs> uh Glenn, you've got a 10 of clubs.
1: Slowly moving up, slowly.
3: Right. Are you kidding me? Okay. Well, you know what? We're just going to go with a theme. And uh Luanie, you got the 9 of clubs, so
2: <laughs> Couldn't you plan that any did, better, could you?
3: Absolutely no good for so, anything. All right. But. So
2: so I think that means that I go first in round 2, right? Is that
3: <laughs> right.
2: go, go, Josh. It's your birthday.
3: Yep. Yep. You, you are, you, dun, are dun, up.
0: Dun, dun. <laughs> you
2: know, it has been a long time since you and I have been gloving, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> it has, and for very good reason. For very for that. We're,
1: we're yeah. too old for that crap these days, dudes.
2: No, not me. Statue of Limitations <laughs> is an effect for a lot of it. So, okay. After this, we've been dancing around the topic of Eberron for Savage Worlds for basically the entirety of this episode here. Eberron is absolutely one of my favorite systems. It is one of our favorite systems. There is so much to love about the Eberron system. So what is it about Savage Worlds that inspired an Eberron port? Because I know Eberron very well and I'm starting to learn Savage Worlds. What was it that kind of, what is it about Savage Worlds that lent itself to that collaboration or port or however you would categorize it?
3: Yeah. And okay, so it's funny because y'all asked me to be on the show, and I was like, Christian, do you want to? Should I see if they want to have you on too? No, this is your thing. You just do it. And But he's really the, uh, the mastermind behind Eberron for Savage Roles. But I've been with him through the process. So I can yeah. absolutely talk about it percentage wise. Like the majority of Savage Roles I've played has been Savage Eberron. So I've <laughs> played, been a player in a lot of Savage Eberron games, and I absolutely love it. It's definitely one of my favorite settings as well. And it's funny because, like, I don't think I've actually ever played <laughs> Eberron in d and I think mm. I've only played it in Savage Worlds. So, it's like how I learned it. But over a decade ago, when Christian started working on this project, he was playing D&D and fell in love with Eberron and then picked up Savage Worlds as a system. At the time, 5e was announced, So, Savage Worlds was just a lot easier to prep as a GM when you're like busy adulting and stuff. Like, it's just like simplifies things in a lot of ways that like 3.5 and 4th edition couldn't offer at the time. 5e has definitely made DD easier, but Savage Worlds and Eberron, I think, really mesh together because Eberron does have that. Like the drama and the intrigue and there's like the action and adventure stuff, but then there's also like the solving mysteries and dealing with enemies in the background and things like that and researching and investigating and things like that. They really are perfect for each other. And Savage Ebron has been available for quite some time in just like a google doc that people could access but when Swade came out and then the fantasy companion christian really wanted to put it out there more put the idea out there more and he upgraded it to Swade, the most recent edition of savage worlds which is savage worlds adventures edition yeah and so essentially now it is a fan license or fan content product through Wizards of the Coast and with Pinnacle Entertainment group with Savage Worlds it's a ACE licensee product that's essentially how we were able to get it out there and it is freely ab- available on our website immaterialplane.com materialplane.com in a Google doc form but you can also make a donation to access the premium PDF which is very nicely designed and it looks it's got similar look and feel to the other savage world's products
2: i'm gonna have to go ahead and check that out that sounds amazing so
3: Cool. Yeah,
0: we've done yeah. Mike from 19 Hits the Dragon introduced. He's us. come
2: up like four times in this episode now. It's, yeah, it, it's, sometimes it works yeah, that way. Like it, it does it, yeah, yeah,
0: as one does. He had introduced us to Eberron, like when we I think it was our very first time working with him. Yeah, he loves uh, that. Like he was running a big game and we did like puzzles or something and he talked a lot about it and yeah. And I'm still trying to put together some kind of time where I can have him run an Eberron campaign or at least a one shot that he's doing. I actually wrote one shot for Eberron that I ran at a convention because if it's about political intrigue and the interaction between one house and the other, I am not only all in, I am all in and I will drag everybody in with me. That's just who I am. And I did this whole Romeo Juliet between two houses, stuck on a train going through the the shadowed lands there. That and, and all the things that kind of went along with that. I love it, and the idea that there's a port for Savage Worlds makes me wish I had known about it before I built my super because I probably would have gone that route to start with because I could think of some really cool things I would do with that.
3: Cool, love that. Yeah.
2: Nice. I think it's actually your question, Luminica. It is me.
0: Yay! We've spoken about the interaction between mixed genres, and largely because that's the game I'm in, that's where my head is at. And I was wondering if you had some advice about mixed genre, but broken into two pieces. One, what's kind of best tips, techniques that you can think of for how to blend genres if you're a player, and then also how to manage that same process if you are a game master? Because my assumption is a lot of folks mm. who listen to the show, while they mm. like direct content, they tend to homebrew off of that. So I can honestly yeah. see them trying to be giving to the players at their table and allowing something from out of genre in whatever game they're playing. So I wanted to make sure we had something in this episode that could give them that that leg up on the process.
3: Yeah, sure. That's a great question. I think for- four different ways that people can create content for savage worlds there's like the fan license the swag which is savage worlds adventures guild and by fan license it's a like, unapproved fan license just creating whatever and putting it out there Swag is direct through the drive through RPG platform, and then the ACE licensee program, which we're part of, is officially licensed stuff. And then I'm not sure if I mentioned it yet, but the Savage Worlds Media Network content license is for creators, podcasters, and streamers. And that, that all that's to say is that there is a ton of stuff being made for savage worlds like we know that there's like all kinds of stuff being made for D, but i just want to put it out there that there's a lot of content being created for savage worlds and so that's a good place to look uh for inspiration on those things because there's likely other players and content creators that are interested in the same sort of meshing of worlds and ideas that you are. And so that's definitely a good place to browse for how would I do this particular combination of things. As far as doing homebrew type stuff... I think that a lot of that from a player perspective, as far as creating your character and and telling their story, I think that a lot of that is again set up in the narrative flexibility and the rules of character creation. You can make up your own hindrances and edges if those if what you're looking for doesn't isn't covered by the, if you're doing like horror fantasy or something, it's not in the horror companion. It's not in the fantasy companion. I think that in my experience, creating like custom edges like that, some of that, I work with Krishna on the process of playtesting Savage Eberron and creating different characters concepts. We had to get creative with how do you make a star and make them balanced? How do you make a forged and stick with the rules that Savage Worlds has for character creation? But it's been, I think, a pretty smooth process. I found that like more often than not, what I have created is like, it's not OP. It's like, actually needs more. So that's been been my experience with that sort of thing. Your mileage may vary, but I think I err on the side of I don't want to like overdo it with this. But so that's like from the player's perspective. From the GM's perspective, I would say if you're talking about doing a complete homebrew setting that's like of your own creation and you're mixing sort of worlds or or themes genres I would absolutely read those companion books cover to cover if it's available for your genre if they've got that so they've got supers horror fantasy there's there's a lot of of good stuff in those and then I would just say it really depends on what you want to do but I don't know if you're planning to make your own Creatures and things like that. I always use what's in there as like a basis for creating my own sort of bestiary, for example. Like I look at the examples of what's already there if I want it to be like really challenging for the players or if I just want to be hobgoblin, knock them out, 10 of them or whatever. I speak from... Experience in working on a setting that we've probably been working on for four years, at least from the original conception of it. And it's the combination of sci fi and high fantasy. And it's, we call it code name Explora. We don't have an official name for it yet, but the concept behind it was basically. We wanted to play a game where it wasn't humans just like fighting against other humans or humanoid. That wasn't the a main part of the story of the adventure. It's more about exploration. There's it's set on a large, basically unexplored planet that the the player characters would have been on for about a year or so. And so, they've really just settled there. And so, a lot of it is making discoveries about the creatures that live there and the plants and things like that, but also the previous civilization that lived there. And so, that was our sort of wish is, oh, like, what if it wasn't just, there's still combat, right? Because you're encountering, like, these threatening, mysterious beasts and, like, ghosts and spirits and forest fairies and things like that, but it's not humanoid versus humanoid conflicts driving the story. And so, that's been challenging, I think, speaks to your question too and where I'm speaking from and trying to answer it. I've just looked at a lot of different examples of things that already exist and tried to make them as, as balanced as possible, but the real telling thing is gonna be the play testing and homebrew stuff. I'm always just like trying things, and I was think, yeah, that didn't work <laughs> very well, okay. <laughs> and the understanding it and the understanding in a campaign or game, yeah, like that with that is, process. yeah you're just gonna. You're going to retcon stuff sometimes. So I hope that answered your question somewhat. I I feel like you could write a book about a sort of topic. But Yeah. yeah, those are some of the thoughts I had on it.
0: I think Savage Worlds is open enough that that question, however well intended, is a very open ended question with a myriad of <laughs> yes. answers. So I think he did a fantastic oh, yeah. job answering the question. Sweet. With the goal being to give folks direction, like what's a good place to start? Absolutely. Start by reading what's there. Learn what is before you learn before you start bending and breaking. If you do it in that order, you're then gonna be able to put together something that's much more meaningful and likely to be more successful.
3: Absolutely. Yes. Hundred percent agree. All right, Mr. Myers.
2: Bring us home. You get the last question of the night, sir.
1: All right. My question is going to get a little bit more specific, and I'm going to work on one of the other products that y'all have out on the immaterial plane for your Mm -hmm. website. And the reason I'm picking this one, I want to talk about herbal alchemy or have you talk about herbal alchemy. The reason I'm picking this one is because I was doing my research and going through the stuff that y'all have put out. This one really made me think of one of the things we really love bringing into a game world, which is, crafting mechanics. Yes. And in our book, The Traveler's Guide to the Multiverse, we had actually really worked out a set of crafting rules working with the alchemy skill to create what we called poultices of healing, a non-magical healing method. But that immediately made me latch onto it because of the similarities. But then working with Savage Worlds, something like what y'all have created, which is an arcane background as opposed to just one specific item, like it's a whole, it's a whole thing about concocting potions and poultices and medicinal foods, etc. And it sounds like that would automatically fit into a world like D and D or Pathfinder or anything else high fantasy because an alchemist and he's running around being an herbalist that fits great in that environment. But one of the cool things about Savage Worlds is a lot of the pieces can be used across so many environments. Like I could envision a way that could also be used in a modern era or even a futuristic era. My question is, would you talk to us a little bit about the herbal alchemy arcane background and how it affects the character, what kind of crafting mechanics it it provides them? And then an example of what type of character you think would have this background and skill set in high fantasy versus modern versus futuristic.
3: Yeah, sure. So this is actually something we created for our Codename Explorer setting that we're working on, because a lot of the characters' interaction with the world will be survival-based and gathering components and stuff. And so that's a basis, one type of arcane background that our that our setting focuses on. And when we designed it, we were also thinking of what's la- what was lacking for us that we really wanted to be able to do was what you do in a lot of video games like Breath of the Wild and Skyrim. You run around and just pick stuff up, put in your bag so you can make whatever combination of things later. So, it's for those potions and poultices and other other things that you would create from natural found components it's also differs from the core rules rules for powerpoints so you make a skill check to gather ingredients and then that role provides you with a pool of powerpoints and that's like your haul then in the spirit of savage worlds allows you to add narrative and storytelling to what are those ingredients what can Can you make with them, and things like that, and and something we want to incorporate in our setting is that I don't know if you've played Breath of the Wild. Unless you look it up, if you combine ingredients, you don't necessarily know what you're getting, what the end result is going to be. And so we want to incorporate something like that because they're they may come across new things that they're like I don't know what this does, but. Something And so we're going to find out and using die rolls to tell that story and then they can create a name for that thing that they discovered. And so I can definitely see this working for, I think it could work well for like weird science even. I think I was originally thinking she sort of character, a witch or a sorceress over her cauldron brewing ingredients. But I also, I think it can feedback that we've gotten is that people have used this in everything from high fantasy to sci-fi, depending on uh, what the flavor of that setting or game that you're playing is. I think it could work with an artificer as well. Of course, our other small product we have out is artificer's codex, which we created for permanent magic items. At the time, there was not a rule set for that in savage worlds now there is with the fantasy companion and it's different there's a toss-up
1: which one i was going to ask you about
3: Uh, yeah (laughs) so i just bring that up because if you look at artificer's codex we added a node on there just saying we this was designed to expand the artificer edge the fantasy companion updated how the mechanics work for creating magic items Check that out. But this is also available as like an alternative if you want to do something different.
1: I love it because I love artificers, too. But this one spoke to a project that we worked on. So I was really tied into it. Nice. But to make sure I understood what you said correctly, based on what I understand about Savage Worlds, does that mean that with that arcane background, instead of having a base pool of PowerPoints that you have to recharge, you only generate your PowerPoints based on your gathering rolls? So then you'll um, use those PowerPoints to fuel the ability, but you've got to describe what you combined to make it happen kind of thing.
3: Depending on your game, you might have just say, uh, create whatever you wanted to from these ingredients using the magic that's imbued in them. Or like I was talking about with, and this is particular to the setting we're designing, like you create something, if you don't know those what those ingredients are, then the outcome might be more unpredictable. So you could play it different ways depending on the flavor I love of the game.
1: And yeah. I could totally see it in a futuristic setting. Even if you go Star Trek-esque with something like a tricorder, you could wind up adding equipment at that point that gives bonuses to the person's role like a, to find ingredients and things like that. So that could be really cool. I love it. Uh-huh. I already have it in my cart. So
3: I'm Oh, sweet. Have to add it. To what we're
1: doing? Yeah, awesome.
0: I actually was thinking Star Trek as well on how to port a system like that, and I was thinking Doctor Phlox from the from Enterprise mixing these weird and random alien thing creatures and plants and herbs and minerals and coming up with these horrible crazy things that were very successful. They are quite medicinal, and that's very sci-fi. E, but it's basically that same process. So you kind of have to. Give it a new skin, but you can still use those same mechanics in that regard. Even in a modern game, I can really think of any number of people, and maybe it's just my house with myself and my wife. I don't know if any other couples and partners out there in the world get this, but there's always this whole, hey, does this smell off? Here, taste it. Tell me what you think. Oh, (laughs) my God. And I really got that vibe from what you were describing. I'm like – That is such a universal thing. Couples everywhere. There's always one of them that says, tell me what you think of that.
1: So now Lewanick is creating the herbalist mad scientist guy (laughs) and his party members are his guinea pigs. I can see the gears turning.
0: It's not that bad.
2: It's melting the glass. Josh, go for it, my friend. (laughs) All right. With all that, Jen, thank you so very much for joining us tonight. Tell our listeners where they can learn more about Immaterial Plane and the work that you guys are doing.
3: Yeah. So our site is immaterialplane.com. Pinnacle Entertainment Group actually just wrapped up a 20th anniversary Savage Worlds Kickstarter. But you can sign up to participate in the Pledge Manager when it opens. So you can still get the late-backer rewards and pick up the add-ons. They have a new player book, which is great for new players, as well as a player box, a GM's accessory box, and a special 20th anniversary edition of the Core Rules book, among other awesome stuff. So definitely check that out. Pretty much moved off of twitter now I and mean, we're immaterial material mm. plane pretty much everywhere on and by the way i love it yeah thank you mm. on Macedon, because that's where a lot of gamers are going we're immaterial plane at savageworlds.social. and then i think we're gonna eventually be on blue sky it's all exclusive and stuff but yeah immaterial plane pretty much everywhere. I'm Jen Sutcliffe on Twitter and Blue Sky. And Christian is Christian Serrano. So, yeah, we just kept it simple and used our names. Yes. <laughs> Easy
2: enough. We, we actually just got our Blue Sky invite. I haven't even told these two yet, but we just got our Blue Sky invite from from a, a top secret Mars. friend of the show yeah. that I can't reveal. There's Thank you very much out. again for joining us again, Jen. Everyone go out, check out Savage Worlds. Huh. Uh, Thank you. Uh, this yeah. was excellent. Uh, go out, check out Savage Worlds. That's our episode for tonight. So next week on the show, we're actually going to begin the next episode of Star Trek Preservations acus in phenum that one begins on Tuesday and then on Friday of next week we have a show episode that was suggested by a patreon supporter and longtime friend of the show I say who asked wanted us to go ahead and dive into the question why become a storyteller in the first place we talk a lot about tips and tricks about being a storyteller diving into the question of why step onto that side of the screen so that'll be it'll be a fun discussion looking forward to go ahead and having that so anyway Thanks again, Jen. Appreciate you spending some time with us tonight and everyone go out there and check out Savage Worlds and check out immaterial plane. All right, everybody. That's our episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Night all. Good night, all. Thank you for joining us. This has been tabletop journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast.
1: You can also stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram at TT Journeys, joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys, or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. Our full episodes come out every week on Friday, and every Tuesday features actual play and gameplay showcase episodes. Looking for early access? You can support the show and get episodes before everyone else at www.patreon.com. Forward slash TT journeys. Check it out today and see all the awesome benefits we bring to our supporters. Lastly, if you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser,
0: Spotify, or Audible, you would really appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And we bid you fair tides, friends, for legends await.